Music, industry talk, stories, equipment and more. We are Crossfader and this is Off 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 Off, off the Record. And we're back with another installment of Off The Record. Welcome back to the podcast. This is Jamie Hartley speaking here. And we've got our usual hosts in the room today. Lawrence James. Hello there. Danny James. Hello. James Holland. A lot of Jameses. Yeah. Lot of Jameses. <laughs> I, I think we had a comment recently yeah, on a, a YouTube video like, why are you all called James? <laughs> we are, Just, aren't we? Literally are. Your, your, your technical name is James. You want another success to a good DJ? <laughs> James. There we go. <laughs> That's what it is. So before we get into this week's topic, which is reading the crowd, playing to a crowd and loads of tips and tricks for how to do that. It's something that has been asked a lot in emails and in our forum and things like that. So we thought this is a great place to break down some of those tips. We've all played to a wide range of crowds in our lifetime as DJs, um, everything from weddings to clubs to bars to festivals, and they all sort of require a different approach so we're going to break some of those things down but first let's just bounce around what's everyone been up to these last two weeks since the last podcast how's everyone been doing what gigs have you been playing let's let's update um usual residences for myself yeah i've had some good nights of mission me and holland hung out didn't we the other day we did i went and filmed holland's playing a student gig yeah, yeah. Uh, offering that mission is very film, good. We filmed one of my gigs as well. Think we that's yeah. online. That's online already, I believe. Uh, yeah, live, live in Leeds, and yeah, doing a lot of live filming because people like to watch that apparently, don't they? So yeah, yeah. I think I mean do. that's very relevant to what we're going to be yeah. talking about today. You get to see how a crowd's maybe reacting or not reacting to yeah. music that's being played, um, and we'll, we're going to dive into that as well because sometimes you have a battle going on between what the promoter wants and the manager wants versus yeah. what the crowd wants. So that's a big part of today's topic. Right. Danny, what have you been up to the last two weeks? Editing. Uh, editing. Yeah. <laughs> editing videos. That's about it, really. We've made a really cool advert. Um, yeah. Danny's put a lot of effort into an advert for Crossfader. It's just a, a great advert that sums up what we're about. Um, you'll probably see that floating around online soon, but a lot of effort's gone into that. So keep an eye out for it. Um, we've, you know, we're really reaching out to the community in it and shouting out the community of DJs that are out there. So that's something exciting coming soon as well. And we've been getting the community DJs involved on our channel. We've had, if you've not seen on our Instagram, we've been having a transition challenge and a scratch challenge, which is where we give the public a chance to feature on our uh, page, on our Instagram. We put it on YouTube as well. And there'll be a, a different challenge each month. And it's a way for you guys to get involved. And show us your skills. Yeah. And let's just be honest right now. Is anyone else absolutely blown away by some of them? Yeah. Amazing. Like, there's some really, yeah. really... I knew there was talented people yeah. out there. But the some of them I've just been like, wow, that is genius. The yeah, guy who so double-timed the tune. Mm. Yeah. yeah. It was that was just like, he blew out. He did it. And I was like... Yeah. Yo. <laughs> yeah. Hello. <laughs> so yeah, keep them coming in. They're amazing. And definitely go check it out. If you just want some inspiration yeah. from the DJ community and how people are taking the same two pieces of music or the same samples or the same scratch samples and just totally approaching it in a different way. And obviously that's a big thing that we try and push is to inspire all of you out there that are watching and listening and that are engaged. So go check out the Instagram. We are Crossfader. It'd be very easy to find those scratch challenges and transition challenges. Yep. And Lawrence is going to be heading that up and replying to people and looking yep. out for those submissions. So yep. thanks up until this point. Yeah. Right, let's get stuck into today's topic. So playing to a crowd. First of all, how many of you have played in a club? 
Everyone. Everyone. Yeah. I thought you were going to say how many of you play to a crowd. How, 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 many, how many of you have ever DJed before? <laughs> how many of us have played in a bar? Yep. Yep. Yeah. Bar, yep. yes. How many of us have played a wedding? Yep. No. Nope. I've only played one or two, maybe two. Yeah, two. Two. Yeah. Holland, have you played some weddings? Yeah, I've done maybe four or five. Yeah. Nice. And Danny, you haven't played any. Done a lot of like private parties, proms, things like that, like when I was younger, but yeah. not no weddings. Yep. Yeah. Festivals. Anyone for festivals? Yep. Yep. All yep. yep. done festivals. So we've got a range of different um places that we've played there. And yep. we're gonna break down some of the things that we've done in those situations to really help us engage with the crowd, to help us make sure that crowd's having a good time, to make sure the crowd stick around. Um and these are all the things that you have to deal with as a DJ, not just be skillful and be able to mix some tunes it's actually being able to read a crowd and provide an experience that they will remember and that a club manager or bar manager or even booker you know or, or wedding guests are happy with so first of all let's talk about what we're all very comfortable with which is club djing yeah, um, yeah. we've all played many 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 sets in clubs yeah. And all I've played a lot of different styles of sets in different styles of clubs. So yeah. How about everyone else? Everyone yeah. played a yeah, wide so range? I've, I've yeah. played yeah. everything. Every cool. So first of all, resident gigs. We're playing these resident gigs every week in, week out. What is the benefit of having a residency? What can that help you when it comes to reading a crowd? Get, how can that help? I always find you eventually, the first few weeks when I take on a new residency, I call it like finding my feet with the crowd because every city, every town, even different bars in the same town, have different clientele and they have their own regulars mm. and you've got to find your feet with those regulars. Now, a lot of mainstream music, you know, we're all playing the same remixes, but there's a way of playing it to certain venues that cert certain venues are known for. So if your residence yep. is in a bar that's known for being, you know, uh, more of an underground style place, you might want to get some more bass heavy edits of that song and find your feet with the crowd. And then I find, I think the best thing about having a residency is once you've found your feet, it's familiar turf. You should never get complacent, but nope. you can yeah. you can go there knowing what the crowd's expecting of you. Yeah. And you can go ex knowing that if I do this particular routine and I've got four or five tracks that go together in this way and it goes off every single week. Yeah. I'm not saying you should do that, but at least you know and you've got your feet firmly You can always on the go ground. back to that, yeah. Yeah. I think you start, that comes back to music management. As you play that gig week in, week out, the tracks that are working, that people are responding to, you know, we're talking about reading a crowd and listening to that crowd. If you play a song and you hear a cheer, you see hands go in the air, yeah. you hear a response or a reaction, and that is a good choice. And it's worth taking that song, putting it in a folder or a crate or a playlist so you can pull that back up the next week when you're struggling, you might yeah. have a bit of mind block. What am I going to play? That's a great way. Jump into that folder and keep building that folder as you're downloading music and analyzing, thinking, okay, well, if this song went off last week, then maybe something very similar might go off this week. So yeah. I need to find yeah. some more a tracks. Good, of a good that friend style. of mine uh, showed me a tip many years ago, and it's something that I've done ever since. Is if I have a really good night, and at the end of the night when I'm packing up, I go, that was an absolutely incredible night. Yeah. You can drag your history straight into your playlist yeah, area, yeah, it. and it creates a playlist of that history. Yeah, save and it. then you just name it: really good night, Friday, at yeah. Mission Leeds or whatever. Yeah, big and house. And then you can yeah, go, you can go back and be like, "Yep, I absolutely killed that set." And these are the things that worked well because, with all intents and purposes, especially if you had a drink, if you go home late at night and you wake up the next morning, you might remember little bits of the night. Yeah, but you might forget just key yep. pieces of that jigsaw puzzle that got you to the big tune. 
because a lot of the time, as you all know, like it's a build up that matters just as much as the big one that eventually makes it go off. Yeah. So yeah, saying that that's one of the ways I structured my library a lot is using history playlists. But I just want to make sure if you are going to do that, don't play the exact same no, tracks no, in the exact same order the next week and become. You'll, a you'll, you'll get bored as well of that. Yeah, like, yeah. it's it's good. Like, if you're doing a regular, some some re- some people do come back. Now, for like for the familiarity of the night, you know. Yeah. Yeah. So if it's an R and B night, you know, you're gonna go there and hear some Drake songs. It's just inevitable. But yeah, just try and mix it up. It probably it might be the similar songs or something like that. And just to go back to your point about you know playing different times at different clubs, and you might be playing a bar like the number one tune in a bar might be played at like eleven, whereas in a club you might have to save the big ones to like yeah, two a.m. Yeah, or something yeah. like that. So just about structuring your set, and yeah, like you say, that's a really good tip saving a really good set if you've had a good night saving that to your to your folders yeah and then the other thing about um sets that you've saved is i know i used to have residences in different cities and i know that maybe one night is very similar to another night but in a different city and you can you know sometimes you can take a very similar set play in a different city and not worry that there's going to be the same crowd so you can be really confident in that set and know that the, the clientele and the people in there are similar to the clientele in in your hometown for example yeah um however there was one time where i started a new residency in my main peak of my career when i'm working six nights a week and i started a new residency and i thought that this night was very similar to one back in my hometown so i played a very similar set and the warm-up i had the managers come over and the promoters come over and say you need to switch up the music you're playing in the warm-up like it's it, it's not this bad music, but it's not right for this crowd. And I was like, oh, right, cool. You know, I didn't even notice that because yeah. it, the crowd were enjoying it, but for their night, they wanted something slightly different. And I yeah. was playing a lot of throwback music in the warm up just to, you know, slower BPM, but just throwback Jackson 5, party tunes like that. Right. And they didn't want it as party. They wanted yeah, some cool. newer, yeah. newer Rihanna and things. Yeah, um, okay, yeah. And I was saving a lot of that for more in the main set, but they wanted it in the warm up, and then I could go a bit harder with the urban stuff in the main set. And it was adapting to it and then taking that playlist. I could take it, duplicate it, and then I just amended it a little, little bit. So yeah. it was almost two variations of the same night in my in my uh, DJ software mm-hmm. yeah. that I could just bounce to and fro. So, yeah, I mean, history sets, a great way history to... Sets, another great thing is um, open your eyes. You know, yep. if you're on a Serato or Echo Box and you've got a laptop there, it's, it is very easy just to spend half the night just staring at your screen. But, you know, if you're playing songs, you need to be looking out to the crowd, seeing what the crowd are doing, seeing if the girls are singing, if the guys are singing... Um, and adjusting your set accordingly. If you're just staring at the screen, at the waveforms, you've got really no idea what's going on in the crowd. So yep. it's very easy just to stick to looking at, or even even if you're on CDJs, just looking at yeah, decks said, all the times. That's not yeah. just with yeah, laptops. Sorry, I mean, yeah. With laptops, I've, I've recently gone from laptop to USB, and something yeah. that I've found myself doing is I was always like, I think a few of you have played with me before in clubs, and everyone always gets really panicky because when I was on my laptop with Serato, the deck would start flashing the 30 sec track end oh, yeah. and I'd be like, that's fine. I get yeah. to like 10 seconds. Then I'd go to my keyboard and go bang, bang, bang. And, yeah. and that's my, that was my style of DJ. And I always wait till the very last minute, looking at the crowd, looking at the crowd, looking at the crowd, right. This is what I want to hear next. And then getting the track and loading it. Whereas CDJs, you cannot do that. They're too slow. Yeah. So what I've found myself doing now is almost finding myself, especially because I wear these bloody hats. I've got my head down going through all the crates and especially if you're on like the Nexus ones where you can't have a keyboard as such it's all the touch yeah yeah my head's down looking at the deck yeah 
flicking through songs, trying to get them loaded in. There's no beat jumps. I've got to get mixing in yeah. 30 seconds to a minute yeah, before. Yeah, yeah. My head's down too much. Yeah. I've been finding myself having to force myself, like thinking, look up, yeah. look at your crowd, keep keep an eye on what's going on because... So I was the opposite to that. I used to not wait till the last 30 seconds. I was the opposite and I used to always try and think two or three tracks ahead. Right. Yeah. Was um, the same, yeah. And I, I always had either my prepare folder in Serato, which was the temporary playlist yeah, folder, or the, or tag, the list. tag list. Yeah. yeah. And I'd always be like, okay, this song's worked. So I know three of the songs in my library, let's find them and add them to that list. And even if I don't play them in that order, straight after I know that these are songs that will probably work sometime in this night soon. So yeah. it's like a yeah. temporary ongoing playlist that I can dive in and out of. And I was always analyzing the the, the, the crowd and thinking, this is working, I'll play more of this. This isn't working, so I can eliminate, you know, mentally I can eliminate a certain portion of my music library. And it's yeah. a constant thing that was going through my head. Um, and then, like you say, if it becomes a residency, it starts to be way more natural and you just kind of flow into it as the weeks go by. But yeah. definitely those first few times you play to a new crowd, it can be so daunting and so intimidating. Yeah. Like you just in the deep end and you don't know what to play. <laughs> yeah, it is. I mean, I took on two new residencies last year and I found the first gigs whilst you, you know, the, the DJs that had been there before me had been there for a long time. Yeah. So it was like my first gig there. I was like, wow, this is a fresh face. This is fresh music. I'm loving this. Yeah. And then I found the second week, obviously you don't want to repeat your set, but I'd get, I went out the second week. I was like, Okay, I know full well that last week I was on like a high because it was, I was, you know, they were as interested in this new DJ and these new tracks being put together in certain different ways. Yeah. I don't want to go and repeat that all the time because, you know, yeah. Yeah, yeah. you're going to fall into that trap and then that's what they're going to get bored of, just like the, the DJ probably that was there before me. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. It was, um, yeah, it was interesting finding your feet with the crowd and then experimenting a little bit, but not too much. That's another tip I probably got is. You know, when we're saying don't do the same things, experiment, but don't discard what has worked what before. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Don't just discard that and go, right, I I've done that and I don't want to repeat it because, you know, you've got to yeah. stick to familiar familiarity, yeah. but yeah. also at the so. same time, maybe the odd track here and there, just, oh, yeah. how did that go? Oh, actually worked, okay. Oh, maybe not so much. I'll go back to, you know, never stray too far from the path. Yeah. I was about to say, you know, that, that path that we're along, Throwing wild cards in there has always worked well for me as well. If you feel like, right, the crowd are kind of just, you're on a roll with them, but, yeah. you know, it's, it's starting to drain on you. You think, if I keep doing what I'm doing for the next half an hour, I'm going to lose them. Yeah. So you're thinking ahead, thinking, okay, this is starting to wear thin. What can I do to re-engage that crowd? And I'd always look for, like, what is a wild card tune that yeah. they wouldn't expect but that could just catch them out and just grab their attention again. Yeah. And that's not saying just switch it up and play a total opposite genre that's a total no, wrong song for the it could be a throwback, can't it? Oh, yeah. yeah, it could be a throwback. It could be a really cool edit that yeah. you think they haven't heard before, but they could engage with. There's loads of different things, you know, you could do uh, that. Another tip I've got, for, especially if this is um, like a, a multi-roomed club, for example, is I like to think about what other rooms, what are, what's available to them in this building. So... If it's uh, a main nightclub, for example, I know that the majority of the clubs I work in, I've got an R&B room and I've got a pot party cheese room, but I'm doing the main room. So I know that I need to change up my set and keep it um, alive and, you yeah. know, and not get stale and just locked into 128 BPM for the rest of the night. Yeah. At the same time, I don't want to tread on the R&B guy's feet or yeah. Yeah. the pot party cheese room's feet. 
So finding that line and and weaving a path, maybe it's an R and B song with a house edit. Yeah. Maybe it's drum and bass in a complete different genre that you, none of you are playing. Yeah. Um. I, I think you've got to be aware for, uh, aware of that yeah. and and be aware that you know you're not going to keep your crowd for the entire night if in that building they've got other options as well. People like to explore, so don't get too downhearted and try chasing something that you're not actually losing because yeah. then you will start making bad decisions. Yeah. Danny, you're um, really up with your music all the time. You're always bringing fresh bangers to the to the office and saying, have yeah. you heard this? Have you heard that? And obviously you're an artist as well. You produce your own music. Um, so you're very up with the credibility of, of the genres you're interested in and yeah. the, the new credible music. But also you do play student nights as well and you have mm. done in the past. And how have you balanced your own sort of passions in music with the crowds in student nights where you've got to adapt slightly? Have you been able to blend the two in any way? Have you been able to kind uh, of for work some of them. for yourself and for them? Yeah, so for when I was doing loads of nights on a weekly basis, but still trying to produce music on the side, it was kind of like I kept them as separate as I could. Yeah. So yeah. I didn't want them to like, you know, go into each other. And it was like, this is why I like toyed with the idea for so long of just making music under my own name. Yeah. But then it was like, well, people know me for playing at these student nights. So yeah. I thought if I made like an alias, yeah. it's completely separate to everything else I'm doing. And it's like my own little passion project in a way. Yeah. Were you still making your own edits and stuff like remixes? And yeah. Like edits. And things like that. Yeah. If I was like making my own edits to play out, yeah. then I would just like make them for just you know, for that, the gigs really. For that so, gig, yeah. Yeah. But um, there was a few nights that I can, and like still now there's like a night I play on a, on a Saturday that's still a student night, but it's music it's a night where I can test out my own music that I've made right. because I know that the music that I make would fit into that night. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so in some cases you can do that, but yeah, a lot of the time it was just to try to keep the two as separate as I could. Yeah. And, you know, kind of get into the mindset of like, right, I'm playing a student night now where I need to play so many different genres, kind of forget about that other stuff that I do. Yeah. And how do you balance going from, if you're playing like your Saturday night where it's, it's the music that you can test out. Mm. It's the night you can test out your own music but how do you balance separating a warm-up from a main yeah. set from a close? Like, you know, it's if it's a slightly more credible night, but then how do you differentiate those different sections of the night? Does that come down to prep or...? Yeah, prep really, because um, I used to be a Serato DJ when I was playing at open format nights, but now when it's just house sets and things like that, it's just USB. Um, but yeah, a lot of prep goes into... When I moved over to Record Box, it was like a lot of prep was needed to get my library in a place that I felt comfortable. So yep. when I went on CDJs, it's not like, like Holland said earlier, you can't just jump on your keyboard of your laptop and yeah. type in whatever you want. It's not yeah. there. So I think prep is like really important for that. Um, loads of playlists and I, I do a lot of color coding as well. Yeah. So the colors mean different like energy to it? me. Yeah. yeah so like, like I just have three different colors that would represent three different sections of the night. And that's right. what it means to me. So yeah, I know that a lot of the time I don't even look at the name of the song or the artist or anything. It's a colour. Yeah. Like I look at the tune name and then think, oh, I don't really know what that is. Because I download a lot of songs and I just, yeah. if I like them, I'll download them. Yeah. So I'll know that I did like it, so I'm going to play it. Yeah. yeah. So and then, yeah. Does does anyone's mixing style change from a warm-up to a main? Yeah. Uh, I, yeah. Yeah. yeah, super. Yeah, warm-up, I tend to leave the music playing all the way through. And then there's always just that part of the night, and if you're in a typical club, it's usually around midnight, maybe just after, when the club's full, and you can just you can just sense the energy. People have already they done talk. They come in, you come in, you go to the bar, you get your drinks, you have a chat, and then you're ready to dance, right? Mm. So there's that point where you're looking around, everyone's got their drinks in their hands, and you need to 
turn at the level and that's when I tend to go super quick um, and just yes, yeah, start playing getting the bangers out and things like that yeah yeah, for sure I'll definitely mix way <coughs> excuse me longer in the warm up you know I'll yeah. let tracks let play tracks out, play yeah, out. Yeah. Um, but then again even in the main if I feel like there's a big track that people want to hear the majority of it's, it's yeah. restraining yourself as well I'm yeah. thinking you know I'm yeah, excited yeah. you know I want to get all these tracks I've got prepared and, in, and but you've got to find, the, and you've got to find well. the people. Like, they're going to come in and they're going to request like the brand new, whatever the yeah. track, whatever the new Drake track or something. Like, we want to hear that. We want to hear that. And it's like, you know, the club's just opened. You've got to wait because you know that's ready to go off. Yeah. You've got to hold yourself back and be like, okay, wait till everyone's in the club before we start yeah, playing yeah. all the bangers. You're yeah. only going to do do yourself a yeah. disservice. Yeah, you know, yeah. if you play all of those hits early on when the club's not full, you're going to waste that energy. Yeah. And then you're either going to have to repeat your set, which is, you know, yeah. not a great and, thing and, to do and I always thought about you know uh, as opposed to just have a DJ set like look at how like the the club operates like the club needs to make money right so if you're playing all the bangers early and people are bored by like two and people are leaving yeah. you know the club is going to lose out on that like, last hour of money like of the bar takings so yeah. you've got to keep people in the club until the end for the club to make money for you to keep your job yeah. yeah, it's a long way around thinking about it but you know you've got to think about these things when you're like a working DJ week to yeah. week I had um, a residency that lasted for years and this, you know, with residencies, the night naturally will change with what's becoming popular, what is, you know, the latest trend, yeah. Um, And as a resident DJ, we have to be aware of that and we'd have, you know, yearly meetings and and meetings each term throughout the student year to be like, how is, how are the trends changing? What's new? What's coming through? Um, And there was one point where, the promoters of this night had a very different vision to what we as DJs thought the night needed or should be. And there was a massive clash at the start of this year. It's like, do we take it down this super cool route? We're going to be super edgy and, you know, play the latest, coolest music, or this is what the promoters wanted to do. And us as DJs knew that the crowd that was in there wasn't as cool as they thought. That was just their close circle of friends that wanted it to be a cooler night than it was. And we were pushing back saying, you know what, if you want this night to really, really last, you can't go that cool. It needs to still have that element of, you know, a generalized music format there as well as some of that cooler stuff thrown in and amongst. And there was a battle back and forth. And, you know, at the end of the day, it's all about being sort of open with your promoters and you've got to kind of find the balance. Has anyone yeah. else had that experience where yeah. they've had a clash with promoters and what they think versus what you think for a yeah, night? F- yeah, fairly recently um, it was apparent to me that this the, the promoter basically wanted me to play house um, all night so I did that for a few weeks and then he came up and said oh do you mind playing a bit more R&B and mixing it up and I said yeah I'd prefer to do that anyway because I, I actually think it needs that so anyway I started playing more kind of R&B and, and things like that and it was going off and all the girls were singing and things like that and then the week after he went and said oh no just go back to house and I was like it, it doesn't that's not the crowd, I, I know. Yeah. I know the girls are coming asking yeah. for all the big R and B tunes. I know that's what it is, and yeah, he kept persisting with it being house, and and but then it was affecting me because I knew that the, it wasn't going off as much as it should be. Yeah. So it was affecting kind of my image, quote unquote. <laughs> um, and yeah, so we just decided to go our separate ways. There was no arguments or anything no. like that. It was just it, I thought it was one thing and he thought it was another. So yeah. we just it's went our hard when ways. it comes down to situations like that because. As a DJ, you think about it, right? Well, it's this guy's night. He's booking yeah. me to come and play, and he's paying my wage. Yeah, and it's it's hard, but at the same time, 
it, it's good if the promoter realizes that all right i'm not a dj they're the dj they right. know that what's what works best and some promoters are like that but some of them are really set in their ways and it's yeah. it's it's good it's hard to not get like downhearted about it but at yeah. the same time you've just got to i guess do what they say in the, a way the other thing to think about as well is a promoter might not always be in the venue they might be on the door yeah, yeah. they might be running around busy doing other jobs you know other jobs they aren't djing they're doing other jobs so they might not be aware of what's going to off yeah. you know what's going off in the club what's yeah. not working what is working as a dj that is your job is yeah, to be yeah. aware of that and that's where sometimes this clash can happen is a promoter or a manager might have a vision for a night it's actually different to what the night has become and you could push that vision yeah. but it might not mean that night's going to succeed no. and you've got to be aware of that as a dj if you're going to you know stick with the wage and just go with what the promoter wants deep down you might know that this night's not going to last if i keep doing this so start looking for other gigs you know as a backup and not yeah you know, let this night run itself to the ground. Yeah, well, the same thing happened to me a few years ago. There, there was a promoter who was like, oh, you need to start throwing some wild cards in there and doing this and doing that. And he, he gave me songs to throw in. I'm like, all right, I'll do it, but it's not going to work. Yeah. yeah and yeah. like, he was so adamant that I needed to do it. He was like, oh, just throw a wild card in, like, do this, do this. And I did it. And the night no longer exists. Yeah, <laughs> and it's so. like, well... If you've been in that situation and you're listening and you can resonate, then we've all been through it as well. And yeah. I think it's part and parcel of what you're going to go through as a DJ and just to mm. be aware of it. You know, that there's both sides. You're going to experience both outcomes yeah. um, and just be aware that that is going to happen if you become a working club DJ. Yeah. Now, before we move on to other styles of DJing, bars and weddings and private events and things, let's have a tune of the week. Tune of the week. Okay, so this week, I'm going to start. My, just so none of you nick it. Uh, <laughs> my tune of the week is Armand Van Helden's new one, Give Me Your Loving, featuring Lawn. It is just, yes, Armand Van gonna Helden. Go for that one. It's I just gonna him go back one. to his, like, you don't know me kind of style. Is it? Yeah. Yeah. It is good. It is a great tune. Right, I'm going next because you're going to steal this one as well. Mine's Roses, the Inman Beck remix of St. John. It is a certified club banger, and you will all hear it in the main room very soon. Right, I'm going to go next because everyone else is going to steal it. So <laughs> mine is Expressing What Matters by Disclosure. Oh, um, that's mine. You stole uh, it. I'm so <laughs> glad they have come back and just made tunes. It's a banger. It's been, it feels like it's been ages. Yeah, um, what's that? What's the other one? I really like... Uh, um, Tondo. Is it Tondo? The African yeah, yeah, one with all the African yeah, samples. So in. cool. Yeah. Oh, good. The whole EP is just amazing. I feel, I feel, like, like, I feel like this summer's going to have some strong hits. Yeah, some the really only strong is house music. All of Europe's on lockdown, so don't expect to see them in, yeah. in a B for any time oh, soon. Or even big festivals. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Big festivals are all cancelled. I'm tempted so. to like, make an alias called Coronavirus and just oh. get everyone talking about me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, my tune is a bit more straight down the line. We just watched a music video as Eminem Godzilla, just because I've seen just watched the music video and it's amazing. <laughs> I swear that's been your <laughs> tune of the week for the last two, <laughs> two free podcasts. Probably. <laughs> Okay, so we've talked about a club DJ. Um, uh, something close to that is playing in a bar. Now, you're still playing to yeah, the similar time of night, to, to a similar crowd even to what would be in a club, but it might be, you know, maybe just before they head to a club. So it's almost their warm-up for the night. Or you could be playing in a bar that's after hours that's going till very late. Um, but a bar is usually much smaller than a club. You don't usually have a bigger sound system. People are going there to have a social and a drink rather than go crazy and be dancing. So how how has everyone experienced playing in a bar versus yeah, playing in a yeah, club? Well, there's two different things. One, you can be playing in a bar where people are, like singing along so you can literally see what people are doing and if they're singing along you are going to play more vocal stuff and more stuff they recognize whereas some 
bars have, have it a, a, a bit more, a bit quieter, and people are just there to you know relax and have a chat, and so you don't have yeah. to play anything you know too mainstream or anything like that. You can play some kind of back like background music almost. Yeah, um, just depends again looking up and seeing what what kind of people are in there. Really, I think when. Most bars that I've worked in, and I know a lot of bars in our local area. Can I just quickly say, for anyone that's listening around the world, a bar in the UK is similar maybe to a lounge or yeah. something yeah, like that, yeah. you know, yeah. or, or even a hotel bar kind of environment. So I know it might be slightly different around the world. A few but cocktails. Yeah. But yeah, this kind of le- leads on to what I was about to say. So the bars in our local area and the, the, the places, you know, that we go to, and DJ, they, they are the places where girls um, and guys are starting their nights or warming up through the night before the big event at the end. So generally, your girls and your guys are looking nice still at this point. They're still dressed <laughs> up. Yeah. Uh, still you know, not, not that drunk. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and for that reason, you know, they're just starting to let their hair down. So yeah, I, yeah. I normally find that a lot of vocal house, a lot of yeah. girly stuff, a lot of singing along. Because if you get the girls singing... yeah. You're creating memories and... Yeah, you're not trying to cause mosh pits and things exactly like that. Exactly, whereas so. when you get to the club, you know, yeah. depending on what kind of room you're in, you are kind of d- trying to do that. You yeah. kind of get them to... Get the energy up. Yeah, exactly, whereas this is more about getting your, you know, your single ladies singing along and, yeah. and, and whatnot. And, and it, I always find if you can keep the girls happy yeah. in a club, generally the guys are going to stick about anyway. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I usually take priority on pleasing um especially if there's a big oh, group yeah. of girls oh, yeah. in the in the room pleasing them they normally get singing they're often the loudest in the bar yeah. raises the energy feel good factor comes in and that's the way i kind of run it but i always find djing in a bar is almost like you warm up set in a club yeah. but yeah. going on for a lot longer yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> so yeah. you don't want to peak it because if you peak it early your crowd's going to go oh this is a club banger you know what? Should we go to the club? Yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, this DJ's just giving me the idea that <laughs> I need to get out of here and hit the dance floor. So yeah. you don't want to take it that high, yeah. but if you can get it to a reasonable peak, as a lot yeah. of pop songs are ideal for this. Kind of, you know, there's a reason why people listen to the radio whilst they're getting ready to go out for a night out. Yeah. So if you can continue that and bridge the gap yeah. between the radio and the nightclub, I think you're it's on ideal. for a successful bar set. I, I used to. De- oh, no. Sorry, yeah, you go. I was no. going to say, I think starting out as a DJ and when you first start playing out, I know a lot of DJs will kind of dismiss the idea of playing at a bar and want to go straight to the clubs. But now nah, you need to learn your trade. Yeah, well, I was going to say that when I was playing in bars, that is probably the thing that taught me to read a crowd. You know, like if you can, yep. I think if you can make a bar, you know, like the the crowd in a bar dance, then you've got a pretty good chance of it going well at a club. Yeah, so. definitely. I, Bars were my favorite favorite gigs, yeah. and they still will be to this day. Um, to a couple of reasons why. A bar gig forces me to dig deep when it comes to searching for music. Yeah. I can't just download all the latest hits because, like you say, they're going to get played in the club. So I've got to dig a bit deeper. So I always used to like, you know, if you're going back to vinyl days, it's all the B-sides where all the, all the, mm. the remixes of popular mm. songs that don't get played in the club. You know, you can find a lot of popular music out there that has you know, various chilled out edits, chilled out remixes. So people in the bar, you know, they're socializing, they're talking, they're maybe having a little dance, but they're they're listening to what's going on in the background and they might recognize a vocal or a hook or even a sample. And you hook onto it and you're like, oh yeah, this is good. You know, I feel this, but I don't need to feel like I need to go on the dance floor and start raving out and going crazy. But, you know, they can associate with it. And it just really made searching for music really exciting because i go okay it's not as easy as just downloading the latest hits yeah i've got to dig deeper than that and yep. i came across some absolute gems that then 
they, they stand the test of time as yeah. well. Oh, you know, the, there's tracks I played in bars years and years ago that I would still play today because they're just great edits, yep. great remixes. Do you remember the Head Candy era? Yeah. yeah. I Funky used to house. find the Head Candy Soul edits. House. The, Vocal House. They were perfect for bars when, yeah. I used to, when I was doing the bar sets. And that, like you just said, Jamie, I could go to a bar now and play them yeah. and I know it'd yeah. go off. It was so full. It had saxophones it had good bass lines in it it had yeah. rhythm it had a catchy vocal it's like real feel good music you can't, you can't, be, is, you can't yeah. be you can't be a saxophone if, in a bar you can't and oh if, you, if, if you hear if you hear someone say i haven't heard this in ages oh, and you yeah. see him tapping the feet yeah i think that sometimes is the biggest credit you can have you know you can have you can go to like let's just be real here and all of you have done festivals and you know yeah. what i'm saying with the main stages and whatnot you can go there Press play on a track that everyone knows is going to go off. Yeah. Peanut butter jelly, for example. Fisher <laughs> yeah. losing it, for example. And everyone will go off. But that isn't... Anyone could do that. Yeah. Any of us could literally take anyone, yep. and put them on there and go, right, play this track and watch what happens. That isn't... I think there's more skill a lot of times in keeping a bar crowd engaged, yep. active, staying in the bar longer than they usually would, spending money. I think that is a harder skill then in fact, what most people strive to achieve. Yeah. 100%. I've got a great hack for anyone listening. So if, if you find yourself that you're getting booked to play in a bar and you, you need to kind of provide this kind of set, something I used to do a lot was what are the tunes that are popular at the moment? What are the tunes that, you know, maybe people would respond to in a club? Now listen to those tracks. Are there any samples used in those tracks? Go get the sample, yeah. Go on whosampled.com, find the original track where the yep. sample's used and, Amazing and tip. play that song. Oh, play, what a belt. You know, because then suddenly someone goes, I recognise it. I reckon, yeah. why do I recognise this? Oh, this is interesting. What? Oh, okay. And then you could maybe gel that in with a different track or with something, you know, like a soulful, funky house yeah. track and you're almost creating an edit of a popular tune that's out at the moment, but they won't have a clue yeah, what time. it's from. And it's, that's where you can even get creative when you're playing in yeah. bars. There's a lot of Motown and stuff like that that was sampled. That I've, you exactly. I've also got a great club hack, a bar hack. Try and get a gig at a bar that serves food. Because then you get free food as well where you're playing. <laughs> <laughs> Trust this guy. That's a great Trust hack. this guy. <laughs> Should we tell a story time? Yeah. Story time. So yeah, this is about reading a crowd. So I was playing, um, let me take you back a couple of years ago. Uh, in the UK, we had like a hottest summer ever. Uh, I was DJing at a festival and the fo England football team were playing and we're not very good at football, notoriously. <laughs> and um, I was playing on the weekend when we made it into the semi-finals of the World Cup. This is soccer, by the way, for the Americans. Soccer, yeah. But it's actually called football. It is, yes. <laughs> we invented the language, and, no question. Um, it. And um, <laughs> it was, yeah, I was playing at a wireless festival, which is like the biggest hip-hop festival in the UK. And yeah, they stopped the whole festival to play football on the big screens. And Is that yeah, the main stage? Uh, main, well, there's two stages. There, there was a screen on the main stage and then a, another screen, like the other end of the festival. Nice. And yeah, so the, the whole festival stopped for like two hours to watch the football and we ended up winning 3-0 against Sweden. Yeah. And it all finished and it just happened. My tent, my my stage where I was playing was like the closest to the to the big screen. So as it finished, um, everyone started walking off and I was the first one to like play music back in the festival. So I played our national song, football song, which is Three Lions 
on a shirt and the whole of the festival just went absolutely insane <laughs> and I've never seen like an atmosphere like it nice. and yeah it was just I was just it just came to mind it was like yeah I need to play this played it and the whole place just went mental and it was literally like the highlight of my whole weekend there's so many times where that happens as well like I've, I've played at festivals yeah. with you and uh, you know one of the big things at festivals the, the stage we'd play at half it's indoors half it's outdoors yeah. and things like when it when it rained and it really poured it down yeah. and how do you keep a crowd from just running away and getting undercover and it's like how do you keep them still raving out in the rain and you'd play all sorts of like I can't stand the rain. Yeah. Just like, why does it always rain on me? Yeah, and, and you like do like that. a set around the rain, and yeah. people just—it's tongue in cheek, but people attach to that, and they go, yeah. "Right, this is cool. I'm going to stick around and brave it." Um, and there's loads of loads of instances where that stuff happens. Yeah, um, I know we mentioned in the previous podcast about you know what happens when things go wrong and people end up fighting in a club and kung fu, fight, kung fu yeah. fighting so that's you know if you want to check that out in the previous podcast you can go listen to that as well yeah, so. i think there's a lot to be said for attaching music to actions and situations yeah, going, that are going on? on yeah so you know it sporting events are always massive highlights out there i mean yeah i can't imagine how amazing that felt was but amazing. i know playing the bars which was showing the football and you know i remember you know when you get knocked out there's another quite famous song for England getting knocked out it's called Stop Crying Your Heart Out by the way and and we were getting you know we were losing and it's coming up to the final whistle and I'm staring at my Serato screen and in the left hand deck I've got Stop Crying Your Heart Out in the right hand deck I think I just had some generic indie song just to kind of like oh well that's it everyone clear out we're done and I, I was like, Ugh. and then the music, I could hear the sound engineer clicking it over to me. And I was like, I've got to make a decision. Bang. Went with the Oasis track for everyone's even going to start crying or whatever. And you know what? Everyone just embraced it, yeah. stayed, got another well, drink. You, and I managed to, to actually get another hour out of them. I well, thought they'd all go yeah. home in tears. Yeah, we're used they to losing, that's why. Yeah, everyone just kind of embraced it. Oh, oh he's playing that. Oh, yeah. Come on, let's have a sing along. Let's get another drink. Yeah. Rather than just playing a generic song and watching them filter out. We're good at laughing at ourselves. I had the exact same thing. So in Leeds, at one of my residences, that there's a big thing called uh, Varsity, which is where two universities that are yeah. in Leeds would yeah. have yeah. Big, play off each other. Uh, play off each other. Um, and one university would all go to one night, uh, one nightclub, and the other university would all go to the other nightclub. And I one year had the nightclub of the winners basically and yeah. at one point to stop the music and we're like we are the champions you know, by queen stuff exactly, like that yeah, yeah, yeah. that's exactly <laughs> what <laughs> I played so yeah queen we <laughs> are the champions and, and, and the crowd was just so you know that was it they were on my side from that moment on they were just in it they yeah, were, yeah, you know yeah. I had them in the palm of my hand and it was great and it, you know you can do so much with a the crowd then so yeah, yeah. okay so playing weddings or private events or anything like that you know this is where we're playing to maybe a much smaller crowd than yeah. in a club or a festival um but you know it's still just as important a wedding or a private function like someone's birthday party a lot of the people there maybe know each other or are mutual friends or are from similar circles or similar yeah. you know places especially if it's like a birthday party then a lot of the time an 18th or a 21st or something there's going to be a lot of kids at think, a similar age that are potentially into similar music so i think it's one of the rare situations as a dj where you're actually asking for feedback yep. on what to play beforehand because yep. it's not it's not your day it's their it's day all so about communication always ask for always ask for a playlist and it doesn't have to be they're not going to give you every song but you'll get a general idea of yep. what they want to hear who's coming to the party and things like that so you definitely want to get some kind of playlist or you know, if it's a wedding, definitely the first dance song and things like that. You want to need that open line of communication before the gig. Don't wait till you get there and then ask. 
because uh, yeah. it might be too late. But yeah, make sure and you're speaking to them before you get there. Don't judge it too hard because yeah. I've had times where I've played weddings and people have sent me a playlist or sent me music and I'm listening to it. I've never heard it in my life. And I'm like, surely this is not <laughs> the right choice for somebody to play. Like This is not a, dance, a song you dance to. Yeah. And I've never heard this in my life. But lo and behold, yeah. you grit your teeth, you play it, and it's like the best reaction of the yeah, night because they, they know they have a, it. They have they, a memory about they, it or yeah. something. Yeah. And there's times where people have asked me to go onto YouTube and play some dodgy version of yeah. something. And actually, it's because, like you say, they've all, as a, as a group, you know, at that wedding or at that yeah. party, they've all got like a memory a attached, memory to, attached it, to it. Yeah. Or they've all got some sort of inside joke. And, and actually, they, they have the best time and, and it kind of fuels the rest of the, the night. But... Um, Another thing recently, obviously, streaming services. That's a great oh, way. I wish I had streaming. Yeah. A great way to for wedding DJs or for function private party DJs to really be able to play to the crowd is take those requests, use the streaming service, and play the songs. You, you know, know you I can used to access do everything. Streaming. I'm not even making this up. I used to take two laptops to gigs. Oh, really? Yeah, for private parties, I'd take oh. a separate because if you connect yeah. your laptop, or it used to be the case. You used to connect your laptop to the internet whilst DJing. I'll always end up with some lag or some kind of issue and, and, and a problem. So I'd take a second laptop, and if I got requests, especially when it's weddings and birthday parties, big birthday parties, 18ths, 21sts, you know, these, you're more than just a DJ in, in my eyes because yeah. you are creating memories. You yeah. don't want someone's wedding to be like, oh, what a beautiful day they had, but the <laughs> DJ was shocking. Yeah. Um, you're creating a bit more, there's more responsibility. So yeah. I'll take a second laptop with me. Yeah. Or requests. Just to make sure you've got it. Or requests. I'll be putting them on a USB stick and then transferring them across to my laptop that was disconnected from the internet. And doing that, I used to do that all the time because you're a very small cog in a bigger picture. Yeah. yeah. And, and, and also, there's a lot less, there is a lot less pressure you can have a lot more fun because you're not trying to hold a crowd you're not you know worrying about you know what clientele are in there or anything like that so you can just have fun and bang yep. on some party tunes and not worry about the dance floor running away or anything like that cause i think the biggest thing i learned because i started doing club djing then i started getting booked for a few weddings and it was like friends i didn't want to do them at first but then it was like friends saying come on you're you know my best mate i need you to do this for me so i'd go do them and uh i got booked by an agency a few times for some really posh weddings down south and i was going down there and i wasn't having a very good gig to be honest um and i was texting the agent uh and i was like i'm not really having a good gig he's like why i'm like well struggling to mix it all and keep yeah. it all in and he was like forget mixing yeah, yeah, yeah he's yeah. like yeah i know you're a club dj and you've got your standards yeah. if you know what i mean and, and what you think you should be doing yeah scrap that off yeah Get, don't just care about just that. get the bangers that are going to get yeah. everyone on the dance floor. And if you have to just stop, stop it and play it, do it. And yeah. I was like, okay, I'm putting everything that I stand for out the window here. And I, you know, I had this ego in my head and it was the best thing that ever happened to me. Yeah. was yeah. learning just to scrap all that. And yeah. you'd be like, the music's what matters. The memories yeah. are what matters. For not, sure. not if that DJ managed to mix them two tracks perfectly in time together or managed to throw some effects on it to, to make the echo sound good when you, when you mixed it. And, and that yep. was a massive, massive learning curve for me that the crowd that always want that technical ability, yeah, they, they care more no. about what's no. actually being played. And, and you can take that back to the club as well. So what, you know, that environment of playing the right music to the right people, you take that back to the club and think, you know what, at this moment in time in this club, I don't need to do anything crazy technical. I just need to play the right music. And yep. then I can start to get creative and technical if I want. But, you know, the music, playing the right music is always going to come first. So, of course, I mean, you know, I, there's so much you can learn from doing weddings and private events. I had a crate in my Serato and I think it was called something ridiculous like mature cheddar cheese or something because it was what I classed as cheesy music stuff we wouldn't play in the club. 
just you know your pop anthems, your steps, your Britney Spears, your yeah. Your, and yeah. I, it was like for me as a club DJ, it was like I'm never going to play it, but I'll have it there just in case. Yeah. I got to the weddings and the birthday parties and it was like, this is gold. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> All this sure. music I never wanted to play and I was actually making a joke out of playing. My playlist name was even a joke. Yeah. Now yeah. all of a sudden is certified bangers for these kind of yeah. events. So having a wide scope of music still on my laptop was oh, yeah. very, very helpful. I do. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I think last tip really for wedding DJs, Take the request. Get as much feedback as possible. 100%. Speak to the people that are booking you and make sure you are fully aware of the, their music taste. Um, ask for playlists. Um, get them to create a Spotify playlist of all their favorite tunes that they want playing and then you can just dip in and out of that. Even if you had it open on your phone, you're not playing directly from Spotify, but just in the gig, like, okay, I haven't played that yet. That's in their playlist. Let's I'll, go for it. I'll link so. it to your algorithm DJ. Oh, oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. we'll do that. Um, so yeah, thanks yeah. for listening this week. Um, I hope there's some pieces of information you can take away there when you're next playing in a bar or a club or a wedding um, and you can engage with the crowd and take some of those tips and apply them to your DJ sets. Um, thanks again for listening. Remember to check out the website. We are crossfader.co.uk and head into the forum area if you want to drop any suggestions. And like Lauren said at the start, check out the Instagram, you know, the, the community posts on Instagram. They're big. So thanks again. We'll yeah. see you in the next podcast very Bye. soon.